Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you by Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald. Creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Kingsley rolls to the boys, back to Kingsley. Carlson towards no, the lovely no, effort. No, 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 Kingsley magic! Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. Nice way to end a game against Kilmarnock. Difficult game because of the chances that we missed. Frustrating overall. And now a trip to look forward to to Italy. So plenty to talk about this week, Laurie. How are you? I'm well. Yeah, a little bit better uh, than I was just before we hit the 94th minute. Uh, at Rugby Park yesterday at the time of recording a rain-soaked Rugby Park. We're going to get our teeth into that game and dissect as much of it as we can. And as you said, look ahead to a, a big trip for Hearts. Maybe not so much a big trip with expectation of a result on the park, but a big trip to Florence, a wonderful area over in Tuscany as Hearts play Fiorentina. And we are going to be joined by a special guest who has got a particular interest in Fiorentina and Italian football, who will be giving her insight into Hearts' upcoming opponents. And we might just have enough time to squeeze in a little bit of chat about Aberdeen, because the games just come thick and fast at the moment, don't they? Okay, Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. First up in this week's episode, we will talk about Hart's trip to Ayrshire to face Kilmarnock on Sunday afternoon. Looking at the team itself, four changes from the side that lost 3-0 to Fiorentina just three nights prior, with Lewis Nielsen, Michael Smith, George Grant and Josh Ginelli all dropping out. Incoming Nathaniel Atkinson, Robert Snodgrass, uh, Alan Forrest and Stephen Humphreys. And Hearts started with a 4-2-3-1 formation. Gordon and goals, Atkinson right, Halliday left, Kingsley alongside Cochrane in the centre. Keomertz Oglu and Snodgrass in the central midfield role with Humphreys, Forrest, Mackay. The attacking three supporting Lawrence Shankland. Now, first up, Mark, uh, you know, sometimes it's easy to look back in games and highlight concerns after you've seen what actually transpires. But in our little group chat before the match, we were a little bit concerned about the defence and spine of the team with effectively two left backs at centre back, a predominantly midfielder who can play left back, a left back and a new partnership in the defensive midfield role with Robert Snodgrass making his first start as well. 
My concern at this, Laurie, was lack of legs in the team. Yeah. Uh, how do we get the ball around the park? How do we move it around the park? Where's the legs? Where's the speed? Where's the pace? Uh, I just thought it was a team that was going to concede with Halliday, Cochrane, Kingsley and Atkinson as your back four. And it did concede, but we should have been ahead before we conceded. Oh, yeah. So we'll talk about that because less than 90 seconds in, Hearts, you know, for, for all the criticism that have been aimed at Hearts for maybe not starting games well, not getting the ball forward quickly, this is a nice move, quickly passing it from back to front. A lovely little flicked pass through by Alan Forrest, sets Shankland on his way, does the right thing, carries the ball over to the ankle, drawing Kamarnik players towards him, cuts it back across the six-yard box, and there's Barry Mackay with an easy chance just to tuck it away, get his confidence back, and give Hearts a really welcome lead at 1-0. But somehow, from the edge of the six-yard box, with the keeper away from his goal, Barry Mackay decides to somehow knock the ball over the crossbar. And, you know, we saw Paul McGinn hitting the post from about a yard for another while. We saw Bojan Miofsky for Aberdeen with a fluff chance in front of goal and Barry Mackay trying to give them competition for miss of the season. And the, th- the worst thing about this, Mark, for me, is he did not look confident in no. finishing and it's a six-yard open goal. So he scored two goals all last season. It took him a while to get his first one. And he got his two goals this season in the first three games. And he was a player who was flying. He was full of confidence. Now, hasn't scored since that Dundee United game. And a player that that needs a goal. Now, I forced myself to watch it back once more um, just to see if it was as bad as it looked the first time because I wanted to, obviously knew we were going to talk about it here. Snodgrass system, basically along the lines of, I fucking left you that ball and that's what you did with it. Now, whether or not Snodgrass could have got to it, whether or not Shank... Shanklin's done nothing wrong. Shanklin's done what he had to do. He's put it on a plate. And uh, I don't know. We're looking for excuses. Surface. There, there are no excuses. No, He, he should moment. score. No. And, and it's funny, in the group chat that we have, we were all talking about it, you, me, and Ryan, and, and Ryan McGowan suggested that if they got an early goal, that Hearts would probably go on and, and win by two or three because the first goal in that game was, was going to be crucial, and we didn't. And ultimately, we... Well, I suppose we did pay the price for it, because we needed three points to bounce back. We got one. We could have had none. So which way do you want to look at it? Well, we'll look through. I mean, uh, the first quarter of the game, I thought Hearts looked a better team. They were knocking the ball around nicely. There was another good chance. This time, it's actually a lovely ball from Mackay. Uh, a quick cross First time ball into the box in the 21st minute and Stephen Humphreys makes a good run at the back post. He probably should do better with his header, which he ends up kind of tamely knocking straight at Zach Hemming in the Killy goal. But Hearts have a little bit of a confidence crisis just now. And in the 27th minute, things started to get sloppy. Keomard Soglu gave it away. Armstrong played in Blair Olsen, who really should have finished. He just rolled it to Craig Gordon in the end. And from this point on, you could see the heads going down for Hearts, yeah. uh, the shoulders getting slumped, and Kilmarnock looked the better side. I think we spoke about it on Hearts TV commentary. Hearts started the better team, they ended the better team, but the middle part of the game, Kilmarnock looked the better side. Uh, Jordan Jones whipped a ball past the post. There was a penalty shout three minutes before the end of the half, which I thought looked a decent shout in real time, but you saw the replay. Yeah. I think you saw the replay. I think Cochrane 
just pulls his arm away enough to not make an awful lot of contact and I think Blair Olsen goes down looking for it a little bit but it was close especially the referee who well I thought the whole official <laughs> team um, were poor and you could see the inexperience things that doesn't do many top flight games Matthew McDermott his first Killy game I think it's his first Hearts game since end of last season and he looked a little bit lost at times yeah we saw the the goalkeeper come out of his box and punch it clear from a good yard or two outside the area and um, a decision in the second half that we'll get to but before that Hearts started the second period kind of as poorly as they'd ended the first and Kelly got a goal within two minutes a corner curled in couldn't clear it Hearts Again, missing the likes of Craig Halkett in there and Chris Stokes just forces it home. They had another header that was wide. But then the horror moment that looked like it might have kind of sunk hearts completely. Uh, Halliday with a back pass to Craig Gordon. And you know, there was a lot of slipping around on that surface. And we've seen Robert Snodgrass come out and mention you know, it was not enjoyable for him in terms of the pitch, having to play 90 minutes on an artificial pitch. And who let that happen? This moment it doesn't seem to be a slip. He kind of catches his boot in the surface, Craig Gordon, as it comes back to him. And it's a bit of a horror moment. Lafferty takes full advantage and slides in, which I'm sure he would have enjoyed after being nutmegged by Craig in the first half. Um, he's one of these, Mark, where he's got more than enough credit in the bank that you don't overly criticise Craig Gordon. He was our best player by an absolute mile last season. The main reason that we managed to finish third, I, mean, I think we might have finished third either way, but we wouldn't have been as comfortable if it wasn't for the points he earned us. But he has not been as good this season as he was last season. No, he's not. You can talk he's about him. He's had to play a lot of games, though. Sorry, I'm just cutting you off. There. I don't know. Obviously, for the goalkeeper, it doesn't affect your legs so much. You know, you're not running about. But in terms of. You know, he's had a lot going on with his, his new child come in and he's had a lot of games with Scotland and Hearts to start this season. I mean, that's got to be that's quite tough mentally to be playing all those matches, especially with the games he's been having because he's not been easy games as European games, especially. Mm. Mental side of things. I'm, I'm kind of glad you, you bring that up. Confidence. We spoke about Barry Mackay, low in confidence. Everybody associated with the football club is struggling with, with confidence right now. Once you get it back, it's great. And it's keeping hold of it. But when you don't have it and you're trying to find it and you're trying to get it, look, we were 2-0 down and we got it back to 2-2. So it's, for, from a mental perspective, whether you're the coach, the goalkeeper or, or whoever, you're always looking, I mean, Craig's the captain, you've got to remember that as well. So he's got to be looking at, at positives from that. You know, he, look, he's big enough and daft enough, he'll put his hand up and say, look, I screwed up, it was, it was my fault. And he'll praise his, his teammates for getting back into the, the game from 2-0 from down. That's the positive you have to take from that. You can't legislate for, for something like that. Mistakes happen. We all make them. Problem being, as a goalkeeper, when you make it, it usually ends up in, in something yeah. bad happening to your team because you're the last line of, of defence. But I don't think you can underestimate um, the loss of Craig Halkett and Kai Rolls to a certain extent as well. And a regular back line playing in front of Craig Gordon. Any yeah. goalkeeper knows, if you've got, if it's the same bodies in front of you, I mean, th think of when Arsenal played um, and, and 1-0 to the Arsenal and Lee Dixon, Nigel Winterburn, Martin Keown, Tony Adams, David Seaman and behind them, it's almost the same. 
you knew what they were going to do. You knew where to pass it. You knew what the goalkeeper was going to do. He knew what his defenders were going to do. I'm not making excuses for Craig. Craig doesn't need me to make or anybody to make excuses um, for for that second goal. He's just he's low in confidence right now, whether it's a mental thing, or certainly not a physical thing. He's, he's still one of the fittest guys out there. But he's, he's shopped four to, to, to Rangers, or him and his defence, um, three to Fiorentina. So he's just looking for, he's looking for an easier afternoon at the office. And you look at, oh, he got a clean sheet at Fur Park. He was probably the busiest player on the pitch. <laughs> yeah. And he was he was absolutely outstanding. So when you set such a high bar like like Craig has done, and ultimately you it's like he's not a human, he's superhuman. We just expect that from him every week. It it doesn't happen. It, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't happen for anybody. Whether you're a commentator, whether you work in the medical profession as you do, we strive to be the best that we can be, but from time to time, shit happens. It's how you deal with that. So if I'm Craig Gordon, Captain of Hearts, I've screwed up, I admit that, but we're 2-0 down, you got it back. Let's build on the positives. Let's take that into the Fiorentina game. He knows, we all know, that that wasn't good enough last week. He can go through his teammates and say, come on, let them fucking know that we're in a game here. That was unacceptable. And it's up to it's up to the guys in front of him to to respond because Craig's not the only one saying that, that that wasn't good enough last week against Fiorentina. Everybody knows. Every Hearts fan knows. And Hearts players should know as well. The question is, are we good enough? Do we have the players that can bounce back? Not necessarily with a win because Fiorentina should win. But do we have a squad of players right now that wants it enough? That's the big question. I mean, confidence is huge in football. You know, it's it, when you're winning and you're playing well, and the results are coming. It, it it's it's much easier to turn up and and play your game than if you're losing and and the results aren't coming. You know, it's, you see that's why teams go on slumps or they go on you know purple patches. I think w- what was crucial in this game was that two minutes later we got a goal back, and it was a wonderful assist from Robert Snodgrass. So I thought it was very good. You could you could see him tire, and he's not got the legs in terms of his age and his lack of match fitness, but a wonderful ball across the top. And Stephen Humphreys, terrific run in behind, keeping himself on side and a very cool finish. Now, one thing I I spoke about a few weeks back, I felt, and I still feel this way, my big issue, I'm not, you know, I think Robbie Nielsen deserves some criticism for some things that have happened, but people jump the gun so much, you know, since he signed his new deal, the only league game we've lost apart from Celtic and Rangers was to Livy, you know, it's a bit of a slump, but it's not sackable slump at this point after what happened last season, the, the, the season that we had. But my frustration is our inability to adapt to what's happened because we can't be the same side as last season right now because we're not as solid defensively because we've lost key players. Last season, we were very, we were very solid at the back. We weren't conceding many goals and we were playing in a way that was a lot of it through Liam Boyce in terms of when we got to the final third. He was linking things. He was working Barry Mackay into into the play. He was linking later on with Ella Sims, but at the start of the season, he was such a key man for us in terms of what we were doing in the final third. So we've not got the solid defence just now, and we don't have the link man in Liam Boyce. I spoke about a few weeks ago. I felt we should adapt and be a little bit more aggressive and maybe play wider or a bit more direct. And I don't just mean 
lofting up for a challenge mm-hmm. between yeah. Lawrence Shankland and Ash Taylor because Ash Taylor is a very limited defender. But I tell you what, he'll win almost everything in the air. But you know, like that, like that Humphreys run. Get Humphreys up there. He's fast. He's physical. He's done it. Get Humphreys and Shankland together. Either play maybe wide, get crosses in, or, or play them off the shoulder. You know, don't don't put them in an aerial challenge. Don't don't put them in an aerial challenge with Ash Taylor. One of them no. up front. But if you can get them off the shoulder, use their pace, their directness. That's different, and that's that's my big frustration is that after this point in the game, we got back in it, and we put Humphreys up there, and we had Shankland up there, and we created much more. And don't get me wrong, it was partly because Kelly obviously had a lead to defend, and it was because we had to push forward. But I felt we looked much better when we were playing on the front foot and we were getting the balls up to these players. And fair enough, Ollie Shaw came on and changed the game in many ways. The former Hibs player, not for Kilmarnock, but for Hearts. He missed a good chance through one and one which was blocked by Craig Gordon. And he ended up giving away the free kick. Um, and this is another thing with the I think it happened with the, the goal that Craig Gordon obviously made the error for Lafferty, where we took a free kick quickly at the back for no real reason. Just playing it short and put us under pressure. Now, I'm trying to remember who it was, but in co- I don't know if I, I think I mentioned it in commentary. So we got the free kick in the 94th minute. We're still trailing by two to one. We need a goal. George Grant wins it and he goes up to take it quickly. And I think it might be Atkinson. Someone kind of urges him not to, to you know, to get everyone forward because he was going to just roll it to the player next to him. It was possibly Atkinson or someone else. Um, and obviously then we would have just gone into the same rhythm of knocking the ball around. Killy had everyone behind the ball. And even that's a little bit frustrating. It's like, why would you be trying to play a free kick quickly and short when we've not got players up yet? And it's 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 kitchen sink time. It's it's we've got one minute left of five added. This is time where you just you have to just fire it in the box and get all your bodies forward. Craig actually wanted to come up, but um yeah, someone told him not to yet. He was up at the halfway line asking if he could go into the box. <laughs> But um, uh, yeah, as moments go, now this could be crucial. We don't know what will happen in the next few weeks. It is only a draw. We're not, I'm not going to sit here and say a draw at Rugby Park makes everything better Matter. and it's a brilliant result. But we haven't seen an awful lot of fight from this Hearts team in recent weeks. And that's, you know, we've said that we've been frustrated by that side of it. Not necessarily all the results. We've been getting beat by better teams in a lot of games, but we've not been shown an awful lot of fight. And I think from going 2 0 down, I have to say, as soon as that second goal went in, I, I had zero hope that we were getting anything from the game. I thought that was it. Us coming back from 2-0 down, miserable afternoon at Rugby Park. Couldn't see it happening. But I think that showed a lot and what a goal it was as well. I mean, what what a strike. And from someone who I thought was superb. There, wasn't, there weren't many players who'd say that about on Sunday, but I thought Atkinson had possibly his best game of the season. Well, to get to here. Uh, Sorry, I've been speaking for a while, yeah. No, no, no. No, of <laughs> course. I think it's timely from Matty Atkinson because I think he's going to have to play a lot more. I don't think Michael Smith has got much left um, to, to give. I think he's given so much that his body's just pretty close to giving up on him, sadly. We might get the odd squad player from Michael Smith, but the days of him being first name on the team sheet or one of the first are long gone. So... It's timely that Natty Atkinson's found form. It, it is a stunning goal. One more thing about Craig Gordon. The save from Ollie Shaw. I mean, say what you like about Craig Gordon or the mistake or whatever. Never loses his focus. I mean, you, we still thought, oh, it's fine. One-on-one. Doesn't matter. We've got Craig Gordon. Regardless of the slip or, or whatever, we've got Craig Gordon. Should be fine. 
And, and, and we were. I mean, look, it's Ollie Shaw. If that's Fiorentina, they score. That's a better side. That's what we spoke about after Fiorentina and after Rangers. Better teams punish you more than teams that aren't as good as the better teams. Now, towards the end, 2-0 down, Humphrey scores. Thought he was great as well. If we, if we, yeah. can, if we can get um, our, our team, if he can epitomise the the desire, the willingness, the hunger, the fight, the want, and the team around him can reciprocate and replicate, then that's that's a step forward. So I thought he was good. I want to see him up front. I want to see him in a two. So we, we get it back to two one. I think, and I've thought this for, for, for a while, when when we've been in trouble in games and we've found a way, I think it's the players finding a way more than anything else. Because I think we go into a kind of Everything we've learned and everything we've done on the training pitch is forgotten about. It's just instinct. And I think instinctively, we're not a bad side. It's very difficult to play. You can't just say to, to a team, right, boys, out you go. Well, what we're meant to do today, just do what you want. You're not going to, that's, that's not what you're going to say to your players. But I think regardless, we still have an ability to do something, to find a way. Might not have worked on it, but we, I think we have enough instinctive players. So the other thing I want to talk about is the chance to work on things that you're not very good at or you've had a bad time or a hard time with in recent weeks. So you lose 4-0 to Rangers in the first game of October. You then lose 3-0 to Fiorentina five days later. So you've conceded seven goals. Now, last season, we finished third. After a defeat by Rangers, we would have had seven days on the training pitch, maybe six days uh, in between games. On the training field, probably three, four days if, if that was to be the case. We do not have any opportunity these days to work on things on the training pitch. First of October, we lose 4-0 to Rangers. Then these are the days between the games in October. right? So we have got eight games in October. From the Rangers game to the Fiorentina game, five days, then three days, then four days, then three days, then six days, then five days, then three days. Right. So the biggest gap is between Aberdeen Hearts on the 16th of October and Hearts Celtic on the 22nd. And I think I might be wrong. I'm not sure if that's a midweek League Cup quarterfinal week. I think it might be, which we're out of now. So that will be our first real opportunity to kind of work on things that haven't worked. Um, since the, the, the mother will win. Um, and I know we... I'm not using that as an excuse simply because we had a gap where a lot of our players were still at Rickerton and didn't go away on international duty. We had a gap to work on things and we end up with a shocker of a performance against Rangers and get thumped 4-0. So the question is, what the hell were we working on? Set piece is a huge concern for me. Should we bring someone in? You might mock and laugh Austin McPhee and guys like that and set peace coaches, but it can't be much worse than it is right now. I mean, we're like a cat on a hot tin roof when balls come into the box. It's like Leicester City. It's just like there's no confidence about who's marking what. And that can go back to it's a different back four or back five in front of, of Craig in, in every game. Once we get stability, it might be better. But there isn't really much time between games right now with all the recovery that's required from European games. I mean, we'll get back from Florence and I, I don't know, um, haven't spoken to anybody about whether or not they're, they're coming back 
like they have done after a European game on the Friday lunchtime. Um, I would assume they're doing that. So they'll probably have a, a training session Saturday. I'll have a, a kind of light loosener when they get back or maybe a, a, a Saturday morning training session before they head up to, to Aberdeen. Not got a chance to work on anything. Regardless of what happens in Florence, it's going to be tough. So the, this is the price of success. This is the price of finishing third. This is where we want to be. We have to learn from this. And if we can learn from it, great. The problem we've kind of said over the last couple of weeks, Laurie, I, I'm not sure we're learning from our mistakes. And that'll hurt us when it comes to trying to replicate what we did last season and finish third. Yeah, we've got an email, actually, want to get to um, from Martin Chung, who says, as I watch us slip to another limp performance at Kilmarnock, it reminds me of countless limp performances at Livingston early in the year and Fiorentina. Fans make the excuse like, how do we expect to compete in Europe, um, superior players, etc. Well, we have far superior budgets to Kilmarnock and Livingston. There is no excuse. A draw does show the players are fighting for Nielsen, but still. Rolls and Halkett went down. Um, we did nothing. We went into massive games with no proper centre-back. If it's Joe Savage or Robbie, it's a shocker. My next gripe, and I do think Robbie probably does deserve time, when has Robbie changed a game tactically to get us a result? Let's look at Livingston. Started well. Livy stick an extra man in the middle. We don't react. Very rarely are we proactive and try to impose ourselves on teams. My criticism of Robbie has always been against better teams. We try to contain and don't get at them. Getting at them isn't attacking, but closing down winning battles. Devlin does that, and Humphreys looks like he will too. More need to. I think there's a bit of a malaise around the club. Robbie doesn't currently know his best team or formation. For me, play Shanklin and Humphreys as a two. Let them get um, let them get an understanding and build the way back. Fiorentina is a free hit. Aberdeen away is massive. Martin and I've said. I mean, I mean, a few things in there I do agree with with Martin. I've, in fact, I said it myself just there about getting Shanklin and Humphreys together as a two, changing the way we approach games. Um, I think one of the things I noticed quite a bit, and I try not to get into it on, on social media because it feels like people now either feel like they have to be in either you want the manager in or you want him out camp. And realistically, realistically I think you can't be looking at the manager getting sacked at this stage. You know, Two months ago, he signed a new deal. And since then, the only league game that we've lost uh, are to Rangers Celtic and to Livy. So one game out of the three defeats in the league that you would... You wouldn't have expected, really. It's not been good enough, though. Performances have been poor, um, I think, is a big concern for me. So criticism is required. I think if it goes on for a long time, you have to start looking at the manager. But I think at this point, there are a lot of mitigating circumstances, but there are still areas that we've been poor in. Um, And I think what Martin says, a lot of that will resonate with many Hearts fans. We do need to see our reaction. I mean, my feeling is still what it was at the start of the season. I think we said it on here. I expected us to struggle a little bit this first part of the season. And I was hoping that we would just at least be in a realistic touching distance of third going into the World Cup break when we could regroup. Um, I thought the performances would be slightly better. uh, But results-wise, probably what I expected, to be honest. There's a defeat and there's a manner of defeat. Mm -hmm. Very different. You don't get anything from either of them. But if the perception among the supporters coming away from a defeat against a better side is, tell you what, I don't know if we could do any more than that. They were just too good for us. Then that's one thing. 
If the other thing is, I can't believe it. They could have done what they liked. We didn't. We didn't lay a glove on them. That's not good enough for them. So there's there's two different kind of sides to that. This whole Nielsen out nonsense, <clears throat> and I say nonsense, right? Because everybody should be judged by their performances, um, whether it's a manager, the performance of him and, and, and of his team. This was always going to happen. There have been, I assume a minority, I don't think we're anywhere near the majority yet, I'll go with a minority, that have been dormant. You don't shout loudly if the thing that you believe in isn't really working right now, and those who believe that Nielsen wasn't the right man for the job. The wrong time to come out and say that is when things were going well. But when things are going badly, they deservedly should have a an opportunity to to say what, what, what they think. But let, let's look bigger picture here, right? If he goes, he's just signed a three-year deal, right? It's going to be costly. Take his backroom staff with him. And he's not going to go. But if he was to go, it's easy to say Nielsen out or whoever out at whichever team, right? West Brom fan. Steve Bruce out. That's different. Steve Bruce, West Brom, really struggling this season. You were speaking earlier about Craig Gordon having um, enough in the bank for us to forgive a blip or an error. But if that happens on a, a, a regular basis for any player, whether it's Craig Gordon or, or whoever, you've got to ask questions. And we can't just paper over the cracks because, by the way, you can argue that that last-minute goal from Atkinson papered over... Some yep. of the cracks. We we had the comment. We we when we've been struggling, we've had the comments about papering over cracks. But we now live in a world whereby one defeat or back to back defeats, and you haven't really seen much from them, is a sackable offence for some people. So who's going to replace them? It's easy to say X out or Y out. Well, okay, come up, come up with a plan. Who's a better option? Right now. now, I'm sure there might be better options out there, but you can't just say, get him out of here without kind of saying, because if you imagine you're the chief exec, and I know you're just a fan in a pub, enjoying a drink, and loves going to the football and gets miserable like we all do when, when we lose. But put yourself in the position of whether it's Ann Budge, Andrew McKinley, or, or whoever. This isn't uh, two or three defeats and let's change manager. This isn't Italy. This, is, this isn't, oh, we have to hire him again because we're still paying him from the time we sacked him two times ago. That That's that's the, the nature of there. Robbie Nielsen will be the first person to be annoyed at the way his team is going right now. He'll be annoyed and frustrated at the defeats to Rangers and to Fiorentina. He'll be pleased with the comeback, depending on what happens in Florence. He'll be delighted, like he was in Latvia with the win. He'll be proud if we get a draw, or he'll be disappointed if we lose. Now, that's just the result. What about the manner of the performance? We don't know how that's going to be. But you don't do what he's done and got us to where he has. And you're always going to, it's like politics, Laurie. You're, you're always going to have someone for and against the same argument. Now, you can look at Robbie's win loss percentage. It's up there. But you get some people saying, yeah, a lot of them were in the championship, and they'd be right. So, just put yourself, forget loyalties or anything like that right now. 
Put yourself in the predicament of decision maker. If you don't have an alternative right now, then now is not the time to get rid of the manager. You may have, and that's fine. And then if you're the decision maker, you can say, come on, look, this isn't good enough. We need to show some sort of improvement. Otherwise, this might happen, because you've got an alternative. But let's look bigger picture here. We overachieved last season in our first season back. Aberdeen spent more. Hibs spent more. If we had kind of done what we were expected to to do, we were probably going to be fifth in the table, right? And when I say expectation, I'm talking about wage bills. Now, RFS have got a much smaller wage bill than us and got a draw against Istanbul and a draw in Florence. So while you can't argue about wage bill and whatever, when you're putting plans in place, right, Hearts will budget based on X finish based on potential cup run, <clears throat> excuse me, and this season it will be based on, on European earnings. Now, right now, we're going through a slump. But every time every team goes through a slump, whether it's Ange Postacoglu, whether it's Gio Van Bronckhurst at Rangers and Celtic, or any team in the lower league, right? There's an element of patience required when going through a slump. But you need to see improvement. And while it's easy to kind of go on the defensive about a manager or whatever... Some of the stuff we've seen recently hasn't been good enough. So over time, there has to be an improvement. Our questions have to be asked. I'm not denying that. But those people that just have made their mind up and the, the hypocritical side of me was like, well, wait a minute, you did this with this player and you didn't like that and then he scored and you're like, yeah, but. It's that Vicky Pod, yeah, but type thing. Yeah, but he did this and he didn't do that. Where we are right now, We've got stability off the park like we've not had for God knows how long. Right? The club is well run. They might have made one or two mistakes behind the scenes as far as the European run is concerned. But it's difficult. It's, it's something new. But I guarantee you, any mistakes that have been made behind the scenes will be learned from. We have to ensure that the same is happening on the pitch. We're in a slump. We have to get out of it. If we don't, then questions can rightly be asked. But right now, for me, is not the time. Forrest Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. This week, uh, to preview Hart's upcoming game in Florence, we are delighted to be joined by someone with plenty of knowledge of both Fiorentina and Italian football as a whole. Uh, please welcome to the show Chloe Beresford, who is content editor and podcaster for One Football and creator of the Italian Football Newsletter. How are you doing, Chloe? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast. We very much appreciate it. Um, now, I can see from your social media that you are a Stockport County fan. Um, I am, yeah. For, for your sins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which leads me on to ask um, why you have obviously such an interest in Italian football. And I also understand that you have a particular fondness for Hearts' next opponents. Yeah, um, it's it, it's Fiorentina for me because um, my great-granddad was a footballer 
uh, he played in the 1930s for Manchester City um, and Sheffield Wednesday and a a few other teams after that. But um, the story comes from uh, a post-season tour that he went on with City. Um, He they won the FA Cup in 1934. And then because they were sponsored by Thomas Cook, the travel company, they went on this post-season tour of Europe. And uh, my great-granddad wasn't in the first team because there were lots of um, really famous players. Um, Matt Busby played on that team. Um, The famous goalkeeper, Frank Swift, that actually died in the Munich air disaster. Um, And lots of England internationals as well um, sort of kept him out of the side. But... When they went to Florence, um, two of the players that sort of would keep him out of the first team, they went away, uh, I think, to Hungary to play for England on an international game. And my great-grandad got the chance to play. Um, And he played at the Artemio Franchi um, in this special... Fiorentina were a very new team uh, at the time, they only founded in 1926. This was 1934. Um, Manchester City were the FA Cup winners, so it was like a really big deal for them uh, as a new side. Um, and the score was 3-3. My great-granddad scored a goal. And the World Cup in Italy was just about to start. And, of course, the Italian national team were based at Covacciano, which is just down the road from um, Fiorentina and they were Giuseppe Miazza and all the famous team from 34 were sitting on the sidelines watching so um, that that kind of my dad researched that story found all these things out we uh, wanted because obviously it's the same stadium we wanted to go and see where he'd played um, we went on a trip there um, several years ago now made friends uh, and it kind of just rolled on from there really that is a terrific story, to be fair. <laughs> if there's um, any reason or motivation to support a team, that's a good one. So I'm immediately looking up the wonders of Google and look up. So Peter Percival. Is that... That's it. That's it. Yes. That's his name. Lots, lots and, and lots of links to you talking about it as well. But, yeah. um, no, that's terrific. So when did you first get over there, did you say, sorry? Uh, 2014. 2014 okay. was the first time. Um, and yeah, I've been probably 30 times since then. Great. Well, <clears throat> as a fan of Serie A and Italian football myself, then I can certainly understand the, um, I guess the the continuation of that and wanting to keep going because it's uh it is a wonderful place to go, Italy, and mm. there is some there's some passionate fans over there. And talking of that, I understand that you got the chance to see Fiorentina just recently at Tyne Castle. We won't delve into the game too much because we've already analysed it and Mark and I probably don't want to talk about it too much more (laughs) from a Hearts perspective. But how was that from a Fiorentina perspective? Well, the first thing to say is that um, I've travelled all over um, England with with my team Stockport County and and I've been to a lot of grounds in Italy as well, Um, been, been all over really. And I have to say that as a fan experience, it was really, really good at Tyne Castle. Um, I thought the size of the stadium was perfect because it sort of kept the atmosphere in. Um, I thought that it was, was well organised. The uh, the police were friendly, the stewards were friendly and helpful. Um, you know, every, everything was everything was, was excellent. And it, as a fan experience, I found it um, really impressive. 
And the, the the most helpful of all was the Hearts players. Um, <laughs> decided to very politely mm. just let Fiorentina knock the ball around and walk right through them. Yeah, I was kind of surprised by that, to be honest. Um, I mean, I guess going 1-0 down so early is quite disheartening. Disheartening. Um, you know, it, it was probably a bit of a sucker punch for them, but I, I was surprised that there wasn't more of a fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was the big issue from Hearts fans. I think most were quite realistic about the fact we were playing a team uh, far uh, more far above our level in terms of quality. But I think we said in the podcast prior to that game that we hoped that Hearts would at least make it difficult for Fiorentina. If they were going to leave Tynecastle with a win, at least make them work for it. Mm-hmm. But I think that was the, the big issue from the, the Hearts perspective was they made it very easy and it was the same story really, unfortunately, when we played Istanbul Basakcha here as well. Uh, obviously looking ahead, Hearts travel to Florence this week. We'll speak a bit about what Hearts fans can expect from the city and the stadium. But in terms of the game itself, um, how, from a Fiorentina perspective, how are they looking at this game? Is this very much a case of, well, this should be a pretty straightforward win after the the way they kind of walked past Hearts at Tynecastle? Well, you'd think so from the sort of dominant performance and the result, but I have to say that Fiorentina haven't really been at their best this season. Um, for me, they there has been in their sort of transfer policy a little bit of a gradual decline in quality. Um, I think obviously they let Dusan Vlavic go to Juventus for a lot of money um, sort of just almost a year ago now, sort of last January. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, the squad isn't, isn't great and they have the potential to you know to put in a bad performance they have performed badly this season so I wouldn't say that it's certain that the Fiorentina that was at Tynecastle last Thursday will be the same Fiorentina this Thursday um you know I wouldn't say that is a definite at all when you look at them the coaches that Fiorentina has has had when I was commentating on them Chloe, I mean, Beppe Iacchini was there, disappeared, came back. Cesare Prandelli, Vincenzo Montella, Stefano Pioli. And that's kind of when it it went downhill towards the end of, of that. When he left, Montella came in, wasn't there long. Iacchini just seems to get the call when he's probably still on the wage bill from the last time he was sacked. <laughs> and yeah. they, were, they were kind of 14th, 15th. And you could clearly see, I mean, we... We spoke about um, Gaetano Castrovilli with Matteo Bonetti and how we loved commentating on him, just his style of playing, and he's out right now. But it just it wasn't the sum of of, of the parts because Vlaovic, real as a real youngster, you could see had something, but didn't really get the chance initially. Ribery came in, and they just seemed to lack an identity. Is that coming back now as they try and make their way further up the table? Um, for me, for me personally, I'd say no. Um, when I spoke about 2014, the first 
time I went to Fiorentina, um, it was Vincenzo Montella's first yep. spell in charge. Um, they had an awful lot of good players um, and they had players like Borca Valero, um, Gonzalo Rodriguez in defence that were like, like you say, they gave the team a real identity. Um, they finished in fourth place three times in a row under Montella. Um, and I think, I think when, when Pioli was there, the, um, the event that nobody could have foreseen the death of the captain Davide Astori, it, yeah. it that really did have a big effect um, on Pioli, on the squad. Um, and then obviously we've had a, a change of owner since then um, who, who promised the world when he, when he came, but I have to say hasn't really delivered that as yet. Um, and I, you know, I just I just look back to those times of around 2014 and, and the quality of players that we had and just feel like it's been a gradual, very, very slow, but it has been a gradual decline. Now, in 2015, um, I commentated on Fiorentina with this lineup, and it's the same season that you started going. I want you to listen to this lineup, compare this team that, that, than the team you have right now, and, and mm-hmm. tell me what you prefer. And there's some fu- there's some familiar names for people in here, right? Tatarushanu yeah. was in goal. Micah Richards was on yeah. from Man City. Gonzalo oh, geez, Rodriguez, yeah, <laughs> Gonzalo Rodriguez, Stefan Savic, and Marcos Alonso, who was at yeah. Chelsea in Barcelona. Yasmin Kurtic, David Pizarro, and Matias Fernandez. Alessandro Diamante, Ehaji Babacar, and Mohamed Salah. Mm-hmm. You might have heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> now at Liverpool, yeah. of course, he was on loan from Chelsea since January that year. On the bench, Bernardeski, Josip Ilicic, um, Basanta, Joaquin, who's still playing in Spain just now, Mario Gomez, Borja Valero. That was Montella's side. Now, mm-hmm. there were some funky names in there. Is that a better squad then in fourteen fifteen than the one you have right now? Yes, 100%. 100%. That was... That was um, a brilliant team. They were great fun to watch. Montella did really well. And the only reason why his spell ended was because he asked the owners at the time for a little bit more money because at the time in Italy, only the top three sides got a Champions League place um, and he was finishing fourth. So he said, if you spend a little bit more money, we could get third, we could get in the Champions League. Obviously, that brings in more revenue. And the owners didn't like it and they they parted ways. So, um, yeah, for me, that team was much better than than the team that there is now. I've, you know, nothing against the players that we have now, but mm. uh, yeah, miles better for me. Is Hart's best chance on Thursday complacency from Fiorentina? Yes. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, I guess because it was so one-sided, um, they, 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 you know, and that that was when they were away from home. They could think, well, we're at home; it's going to be easy. If Hearts turn up and show a bit more spirit, a bit more kind of getting at Fiorentina, they could. I think that's their best way to try and spring a surprise. So. If- Fiorentina are playing Lazio at the moment, so we can't really talk about what happens in that one. At the time of recording, it's just kicked off, so we don't know what the end result of that will be. But it's three nights before Hearts play at the Artemio Franchi. It 
do you expect there to be quite a bit of rotation because of the yeah, proximity could, of the two could games? Well, could well be because Lazio are a tough side um, under Maurizio Sarri. They, they'll really make Fiorentina work. Um, uh, there'll be a lot of running involved, I would think. So, yeah, especially because of the result away from home, I think Fiorentina, you know, there may be some rotation. I think they'll have to, just like you say, because of yeah. how soon the games are coming. In terms of the group, now it's, although last week for most of us felt like, I suppose, the the end realistically of, of Hearts' chances of progressing, when you look at the group, it's still it's still open on paper. Uh, Bashakshi here are top on seven points, Fiorentina now is second on four, Hearts a point behind on three, and RFS bottom on two points. I suppose one of the big surprises, especially for Hearts fans, after having played in Latvia against RFS, who seemed, to be honest, Quite poor. Mm. Hearts won two 0 and don't think we thought an awful lot. I don't want to don't want to get too confident because we've still got to play them at Tin Castle. And we don't know how that will go. But let's say Hearts looked a better side than RFS. Yet Hearts have been the only team in the group to beat RFS after the first round of games. How on earth have the Latvians managed to take points off both Fiorentina and Bishakshi <laughs> here? <laughs> Um, I don't know. I guess you'd have to get a Latvian football expert in, but um... we did, we did. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes, we um... did. Just to try and pick his brain. I mean, what what was your angle from the the Fiorentina game then, the home game where they draw? Was it just a case of Fiorentina just just were too profligate? They just missed too many chances, and the Latvians got lucky. Yeah, I think they were. Um, you know, up until fairly recently, they've been on a really kind of poor run where they just mm-hmm. it. The football seemed very slow it, uh, in the build-up. It it didn't. Um, Sounds like hearts. Yeah, <laughs> just no no cutting edge. No nothing really up, going on up front. I mean, some of some of the games this season of Fiorentina have been really terrible to watch. I was really very surprised at what happened last Thursday after how how boring and awful they've been. To be honest. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I think maybe just flat, flat, and 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 that's that's maybe why they didn't get the result there. If Hearts are to get a result, what do you think the the best approach would be? Because at Tank Castle, I think the big big frustration, and Mark and I vented our frustration on our podcast last week, was that Hearts gave Fiorentina far too much time, far too much respect, and just let them play their game and Amrabat just had a field day in the middle of the park no one got near him just stroking the ball around mm. and it, I think it summed it up you know the opening goal happened in under four minutes and Hearts had had three or four touches by that point they'd barely had a touch of the ball mm. um, is is the approach for Hearts here in Florence better to be more aggressive and try and press Fiorentina or is that just a bit fanciful now that they're the away team playing against a side with superior technical ability and would They'd be better, better sitting in. I think RFS sat very deep and defended and try and hit on the break. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one, isn't it? Because I guess if you sat in more, then maybe you could come away with a draw. But for me, I would say maybe just treat it like um, a one off cup tie and a a kind of put in an underdog performance where you really like get at them from the first minute and really try and knock their confidence because I think that although they looked really good 
last Thursday, I think Fiorentina's confidence is fragile. I'm not sure that they've really kind of overcome their struggles yet. Um, so I think against the team that really got stuck in, they, you know, they might not crumble, but they might, I don't know, you, you might find a way in. Well, that's a little bit of hope, isn't it, Mark? <laughs> yeah, I'm actually I'm just looking at um, at Zurich, and they're still bottom of the table in um, in Switzerland. And I'm thinking, I wonder if manager, that, just change their manager. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, okay, they got the win against Hearts. I wonder if that was the the kind of kick start, um, beat Hearts, and then move on. So clearly, it wasn't um, for them. But papered over cracks, you know, I think. <laughs> <laughs> there's been a lot of papering over cracks, and I know we've. We've spoken about um, Kilmarnock already, but from a Hearts perspective, all we want, and I don't know how many Hearts fans are going out there, it seems quite a lot, but all they want to see is is the team leave everything out there. Um, have a go. That It's difficult against a, a quality side, but be organised and, and put your tackles in. And as Chloe was saying, let Fiorentina know that they're in a game because mm. it was far too easy. And if Chloe was surprised by that, I'm sure all the Fiorentina supporters were surprised by that. They've got this full house, this wonderful stadium, these great fans. Everything was set up for hearts. The thing that let them down was the players on the park. Chloe, in terms of uh, the fans travelling over, now, I'm going over there as a fan, not a working capacity for this one. Uh, there's a lot of fans going over. There's more than 2,000 have sold out the away end. I think there might be a few more going over, even though they have been instructed they should not. But <laughs> I think there'll be a few more than 2,000 Hearts fans. That's the best way to, for someone. That is the best way for someone to do something. Tell them they can't. Yes. <laughs> well, like a child. It's done. Unbelievable. Yeah. Don't go. Um, All right. <laughs> In terms of travelling over there, uh, what can Hearts fans expect? Because at this point, I think they're going for the trip, for the occasion, <laughs> for the experience, as opposed to having much expectation about the football. Yeah, I mean, as a, as away venues go, Florence is just an amazing, amazing city. Um, I think the sort of the sites are well known, aren't they? All the main sites in the centre, um, the amazing Duomo right there in the middle. Um, the the art galleries, if that's your thing. Um, I hazard a guess. I hazard a guess. The Hearts fans on the whole probably not be going. Don't to the art I'm trying to find you. Where are you? Are you in the town square? No, no, I'm at the art gallery. Damn, of course, I should have known. It was tongue in cheek. I didn't think so. Um, but actually, the area around the stadium, the stadium's kind of out of the centre, mm-hmm. and the area around the stadium, there are some. Um, there are some good bars and cafes and and things like that. There's always quite a nice kind of a, a local atmosphere around there. I mean, I don't know um, what the situation is. I guess the away fans will kind of be shipped in and shipped out like they do with other Serie A teams. I don't know if be allowed to gather around that area at all. But um, during the day, you know, you can go and ha- have a walk around the stadium. Um, so that's a, that's a nice little area. Um, I would recommend the number 17 bus. Um, okay. <laughs> that goes... Is that experience? Just the... <laughs> no, it runs from the centre to the stadium because it is quite a walk. And sometimes it, we, well, the first few times we went, it, it was like a bit of a 
puzzle as to how to to get back into the centre. Um, no, not easy to get a taxi. Um, the, there's the Campo de Marte train station, which runs to the main Santa Maria Novella train station. But after the match, there's maybe no game, trains running. So, yeah, 17 buses is definitely a handy bus to know. Um, <laughs> you can't really go wrong with it. Yeah, um, you, should, you should say Hearts have put out uh information pack it's they've tweeted just um in the last few minutes and it's on their website as well which does explain if people haven't seen it you should go on the hearts website which has the full details but yeah there's shuttle buses from piazza santa croce is that the one you mm-hmm. said yeah um and that's in the center where there'll be free shuttle buses to the stadium oh that's uh, handy then that's good. yeah so they're trying to uh, they're trying to get fans not to try and make their way to the stadium so the information is on the hearts website yeah. gallon as well laurie um, when everybody congregated in the main town square, there were three or four long buses that uh, that came, and it, part of that is is the local kind of constabulary or or the local authorities knowing fine well. Oh, here's a free bus, but they know fine well they've got you. They can drop you off right outside the stadium. Yeah, they can bring you back as well. So it makes sense. You get a free bus there. Now, look, of course, there's a, a lot of us decided to get a. To get to St. Gallen, where we played Zurich, uh, Chloe, our own way, just took the the train a couple of stops, which is fine. But the shuttle buses, I think, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be surprised if that becomes a a kind of thing. Uh, I know we've still got to go to Istanbul as well, but it makes total sense because if you're any of the authorities, you can control pretty much everything that goes on. There's no stops or anything like that. You can't see uh, Mrs. Bella Croce or whatever her name is who flags down the number 17 bus. She's not standing <laughs> by the side of the road. You just get picked up, you get dropped off at the stadium and uh, and hopefully you, you you enjoy the the two or three hours. But yeah, this, this is a tough one for us. How do you think it will go on Thursday, Chloe? Do you, do you envisage it being another routine victory? Or do you think there'll be a few changes in Fiorentina? Might um, um, be surprised by Hearts. I think. I think if if the same two teams to turn up that were you know that played last Thursday and they, they play in the same way, it's going to be the the same result, isn't it? Fiorentina will win, but um, I think if maybe Fiorentina are a, a bit worse and Hearts are better, then there could be a game at. I think I, I have to say, because the goal seemed so big, I would have to say in all kind of You can uh, say it. You can say yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think maybe Fiorentina will win, but um never say never. Never say I mean never. it's it's not a bold prediction. So I mean we we will allow you though it's a hearts podcast to, <laughs> to give the prediction that you feel, which will be a a potential comfortable victory for for Fiorentina, <clears throat> have you seen much of the reaction from the likes of the Italian press to to these matches? Or I know one of the feelings from Matteo Bonetti was there's not as much kudos given to this competition, despite Roma taking it seriously last year and Jose Mourinho winning the trophy. Is there much appreciation for the the Conference League, or is it still seen as a, a little bit of a lesser tournament? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the Italian press has got a real kind of. Uh, looking down the nose at things, you know, mm-hmm. things that are maybe a bit new or not not the traditional thing. Um, and so, yeah, maybe they're, they're not 
they're not massively interested in the Conference League as such, uh, which to me is strange. Like you say, Roma won it last year and you would think that would really kind of stoke the interest. But and maybe as the knockout stages come, but at the moment, I've not seen an awful lot. Although um, I have to say, I didn't, because we were travelling back on Friday, I didn't see a lot of stuff online or anything. Okay. Well, hopefully hearts can surprise all of us and and do something on thursday are are you expecting a surprise mark i tell you what i will make one prediction i think fiorentina will change more than half of their side they've just gone a goal down to lazio right now vicino has has just scored and they play monday they play thursday and then they play monday again, again isn't it? yeah, yeah mon- monday again um when they've got lecce i think it is away from home so You've seen what the know, Chelsea at the weekend changed loads, as as did a few of the other teams. Because there's so many games taking place right now, three in a week, because they're trying to get all the European group stages uh, done before the World Cup, it's slightly different from normal. So I think they'll make a few changes. I think they'll win by two or three goals, uh, Fiorentina, uh, just because their reserves are still better than than our first team. I mean, you, you look at the bench and the players that they brought on in that game at Tynecastle. I mean, Milenkovic coming on for Igor. Milenkovic is their best defender, isn't he, Chloe? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Exactly. Dodo has been out. He came on for Biragi. Uh, Nico Gonzalez is a is a super player. Um, the Argentine, Zhurkovsky. And they didn't even bother touching um, Alfred Duncan, Venuti, Arthur Cabral, Yunus um, Mali uh, came up. I think he was uh, an unused player. Sorry, Yusuf Mali, Moroccan player. They had guys suspended, Iconi who come back, guys who were injured. They just have a a super squad that are paid a lot of money. And the other thing is as well, Chloe, the player, even if they do change more than half their team, that's not really going to weaken the side because it's going to be a chance for them to say to Vincenzo Italiano, hey, I'm capable of this. I should be starting. And you know what? If they do lose to Lazio, that he might just say, hey, wholesale changes. So the, it's a talented squad. It's just not the sum of their parts right now. Yeah, okay, I agree with that. Okay, well, uh, I will enjoy well, you, the trip. Well, are you not oh. making a prediction too? Oh, I don't want to. <laughs> Come on. How I many don't want are you going to lose by? Um, you have to. I'm going really, to be really optimistic and say we'll lose 2-0. That's an optimistic <laughs> <laughs> Even I can't bring myself to predict the Hearts wow. will get anything from it, but uh, you know we're going there with with no ex. I was going to say it's, we're not even no. going there in hope rather than expectation. <laughs> we're going there with no hope or expectation. So we really can't lose. We can't lose. We'll we'll have a few drinks. We'll enjoy Florence, which is it's twinned with Edinburgh. Didn't know if you knew that, Chloe. I only no, found I out. didn't know. I didn't know. I, on- I only found out last week because of their similar heritage centres, their historic centres. Um, so. I was actually um, talking with a, a friend from Florence before the game and she was saying how much she loved Edinburgh and, and that she um, she thought, she was trying to like find a word to explain and she, she ended up saying it, it has a touch of magic about it. Mm. So yeah, she, she was really complimentary about uh, Edinburgh. It's, it's a lovely city and mm. I, I'm, I'm glad Hearts were so accommodating off the field. I would just would have preferred if they hadn't been so accommodating <laughs> on the field as well. But here we are. It, well, it's been a pleasure speaking to you, Chloe. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Chloe. And 
And yes, um, good luck to Stockport. And good luck to Fiorentina, apart from on Thursday and the rest of their season. <laughs> Thank you. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. That was Chloe Beresford joining us to chat about Fiorentina against Hearts. Great to hear from someone who has an affection and a knowledge about Hearts' upcoming opponents. Safe to say, um, the chances of Hearts getting a result in Florence are probably about as likely as uh, Hearts fans travelling to uh, over there to go to an art gallery. But um, yeah, <laughs> you never, you never know. Yeah, um, that's, why we, that's why we go to the football, Lord. You just never know. <laughs> Before we go, we will look ahead to the game after that. Only briefly, because I don't like looking two games ahead, because you know, we don't know what will happen on Thursday. Um, Aberdeen against Hearts, so ahead of that game, fifth in the table, Hearts, one point against sixth place Aberdeen. Um, three wins and 12 for Hearts, albeit a lot of those games have been pretty tough. Four European defeats, Celtic and Rangers in there as well. An Aberdeen team, though, who, despite having spanked St Mirren, Livingston and Kilmarnock at home, have been struggling a little bit at times, and they lost 4-0 to Dundee United on Saturday night. So the bit of pressure on both managers and both teams ahead of this one. Now, this is a game, a fixture, I should say, Mark, that doesn't favour the away team, unfortunately. <laughs> 14 meetings without an away winner. And Hearts have lost five in a row at Pataudry. Now, I was on an Aberdeen podcast previewing the game and um, very similar issues to us in many ways in terms of Difference in terms of you know, Hearts are missing a lot of players. Aberdeen maybe just haven't got the players they need to, but they are a little bit worried defensively and in terms of the spine of their team. Um, the right-back they've signed hasn't quite been performing. Their central defensive area looks quite weak, so they're looking a bit um, suspect at the back. But they do have a decent attacking options, and uh, Miofsky has been scoring quite regularly, although mainly at Pataudry. We are going there, though. So, an interesting prospect this game, because two teams, when you look on paper, may be weak at the back. Um, my feeling is Hearts should approach this game in an aggressive manner, especially given the pressure on Aberdeen after that defeat, and try and take the game to them and get the crowd on top of them, just as I'm sure a team coming to Tynecastle would at the moment, if there's a bit of pressure on Robbie Nielsen. I suppose my worry about that approach is we'll have just played in Florence on Thursday night. Aberdeen won't have played midweek. Um, will be the team likely to be a bit more leggy. Yeah. Never like facing a side that have just been thumped, especially yeah. when they've got eight days between being thumped and the next game. They'll be desperate to, you would think. They'd be dead. They were horrible. I watched that game on uh, was it Saturday night, I think it was Dunn United. Aberdeen and dreadful. I mean, the own goal kind of summed up the whole day for them. They just weren't at the races. So, you would expect they'll come flying out of the box. And uh, well, Jim Goodwin, I believe, is going to have to watch it again from the stands. I don't know what the deal is with if, if they're yeah. appealing or, or uh, whatever. I think at the moment he's going to be suspended unless something changes with that. Yeah, so like, how does that affect things? I don't know. Home form, looking at their their home form, is, is pretty good. right? They, they lost at home to, to, to Motherwell. They were 2-1 up in that game. Um, they've won the, the, the five around that game. 
um, and and haven't lost apart from that Motherwell game since since Livingston um, in April. So Pitondry is always a, a tough place to to, to go. Um, seen a, a few defeats, seen a couple of nil nils up there. The last time we won there, Abiola Dowda, Jesus, May yeah. twenty six. <clears throat> Robin Nielsen's first that, spell. Was it? Was that a Thursday night or something? Daft. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I it was. Didn't, mean, didn't even mean anything new. No, no. Um, so it's very difficult to to predict a game that isn't our next game. We don't know what's going to happen, who we're going to have back, or or whatever, how we're going to be affected by. The likelihood is we'll be tired because I would imagine if we only had twenty odd percent possession, what do we have? Less than thirty percent, didn't we, against Fiorentina in the first leg? Twenty eight percent possession, right, I believe. So it's probably going to be less than that for the return leg, which means a lot of tired legs, a lot of chasing going on, a lot of expending energy. So I'd imagine Robbie Nielsen will freshen things up for the, the trip to Aberdeen. If he's playing his first choice 11, which available 11 on, on Thursday, that means it won't be his first choice 11 at uh, Aberdeen. Look, if, if I'm Jim Goodwin, I'm saying to, to my player, I'm, I'm filling my team with big physical players. I'm trying to get as many set plays as I can. I'm, I'm, I'm shelling grenades into the box for Hearts to try and defend, knowing that we, we struggle with that. So it's always a fixture I used to like. I mean, it was my first ever away game back in early 1986, and we won by a goal to nil. I, I always, I, I like the tawdry. I've always liked it since the, the beach end, and, and there were times in the 90s, you know, shocker of a record up there. It was like, if we could get away with a goal or two defeat, that's actually not a bad result. But then there was a spell when they went to shit that we, we did pretty well up there. Right now, we haven't done well of late, so it's about time to to change that. And again, we're talking about opposition and everything like that, and then we go on about let them worry about us. We'll see. We'll see. It's an important game because there's just a point separating the two sides. So we we said last week, and I'll say it again: there's nothing between the teams outside the old firm. Even Dundee United were bottom, and they thumped Aberdeen four nil. I think on their day. The other 10 teams can beat anybody and can also lose to anybody. So we'll see what kind of day it is on Sunday. Yep, let's not predict. Too many games coming. No predictions. No, we won't bother with that. Um, I should mention before we go this week that um, we will have Stevie Morris back on the podcast next week. Now, uh, Stevie is obviously someone who has been in the press and has been in the media uh, through hearts telling his story about his MND diagnosis and his battle with the horrible disease. Um, he's been on the podcast previously and he's coming on again. We're looking forward to that. As part of him coming back on, we're doing a little bit of uh, fundraising for MND Scotland as well. Of course, the wonderful charity that does excellent work in this country and uh, is, of course, of course, on the Hearts shirts as well. Now, in terms of the fundraising, we're doing a raffle. Now, we've got some Great prizes. Hope to confirm a few more soon, but we'll have at least three different signed shirts. One will be a signed shirt from the Hearts men's team donated by the club. Thank you very much to Hearts for that. Mr. Ryan McGowan, who couldn't make it tonight, will be donating a shirt as well, signed by him, of course. So thank you to Ryan for that. And we've also got a signed shirt from the Hearts women's team as well. Uh, Charlotte Parker-Smith, who of course has been on the podcast previously, we've got her signed keeper top from last season, that will be part of the raffle, more prizes uh, will be announced as well, if you want to donate, now how it works is we're doing a raffle so you can go on to our Just Giving page which you can get on our Twitter feed I'll post it, I'll post it again in the next day or two um, if you want to find us it's justgiving.com slash fundraising slash scarves around the funnel and for every £5 that you donate 
your name will go into the hat once for the raffle. So if you donate five pounds, you'll have a chance to win something. If you donate 10, you'll have two chances, 15, three, 20 pounds, four. That's how it works, of course. So you can come on, donate as much as you like or as little as you like, of course, whatever you are able to. And we'll put you in the draw for some of those great prizes. And we will do the draw as part of the podcast when Stevie is on. So please, if you can, donate to that good cause. Um, We won't have an extra episode this week. I know we normally do for the European Games. We have our Make Our Noise segment. But this week, I will still be in Italy um, when we normally record it. Mark will be in Spain. He'll be over there for the ESPN on a nice little jaunt. So unfortunately, there won't be a second episode this week. But we will be back next week with Stevie. We'll talk about Fiorentina. We'll talk about Aberdeen. We'll do our raffle and anything else that is uh, pertinent by that point um it been another tough weekend in many ways but thanks to natty atkinson um we had at least a little glimmer of positivity and hopefully it's the start of start of a good run maybe apart from thursday night probably um everyone going to florence enjoy your trip uh, um, stay safe hopefully you have a safe journey as well and regardless of the result you can enjoy a wonderful part of the world until next time thanks for tuning in 